What's up, everybody? This is Chris Kane here with the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. I got my boy Mark in the building today. Had to come back home and say what's up to my boy Mark. Talk to the people. Hey, what's up? What's up? So this is going to be a little different podcast because Mark's like one of my friends. We're not trying to work through any problems or issues. We do that off camera. But uh, Mark's a firefighter, EMT, like paramedic. You got what else? What else are you? Man, we do a lot of shit, but you pretty much covered it. All right. So like most of y'all, I don't really know all the nuances of what Mark does, but he's told me some stories before that I thought were like crazy. And I don't know how you can like do that and then go to the gym and live a normal life. So I'm going to have him go into a couple stories and then we'll kind of flow from there. Mark, tell us, tell us some of the crazy shit you've seen out there. Well, first off, I mean, a lot of it's got to do with a lot of people think firefighting is all just running into burning buildings, putting water on the fire, doing your thing, saving babies, rescuing cats out of trees. Did you say a baby yesterday, though? I mean, I mean that's part of the story we'll get into later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's not always like that. Most of it's going to be medical calls. Um, and a lot of people who do call don't have true emergencies, especially in your certain neighborhoods. It depends on your, your lower income neighborhoods. They call more frequently. And that, that's where I work out of is a lower income neighborhood. So we're getting called all the time. We work 24 hours at a time, 48 off. And that's it. That's if you're not doing any overtime. I just got off a 48-hour shift. And you think, back in the day before I got started, I always thought if I saw somebody riding in the back of an ambulance or what we call a rescue, like, hey, man, something's going down in there. Someone's right. dying. Someone's life is getting saved. That's what TV shows you. A lot of the time, it's you're, you're a glorified Uber. <laughs> you're taking someone. I have regular patients who call me multiple times a shift, every shift. You know, same complaint. We got this one lady who calls because she's hungry and she wants to go down to the hospital to get some food. No medical complaint. She's just hungry, you know, and we can't refuse. We can't say, no, I'm not taking you because then say I don't take her and something does happen. She dies. And then that's my name on the report. So you you got to be nice to people. You got to treat them good. But then again, sometimes it's hard when it's the same person calling over and over. And you're on that call and you hear, you know, another call go out in your area and it's a pediatric a child, who, you know, who's drowned or something, you know. And you're stuck on that call dealing with somebody who doesn't have an emergency. So that can kind of be frustrating. That's some, so in a, in a normal 24-hour shift, how much of that are you working and how much of that are you just waiting for shit to go down? It depends on what station you're at. You know, th- there's some good stations out there that... The guys who are about to retire and stuff, they go to where they run maybe one call a shift. So if you think about that, in 24 hours, a call, depending if you're on the engine or you're on the rescue, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. So the the other 23 hours, they're sitting there taking naps. You can work out, watch TV, play video games. We have some guys who finish full seasons of TV shows at work (laughs) and they're getting paid for it. Those guys are living the life. That's a good uh, my station, we're on the busier end. We're one of the busiest ones in the state of Florida, where especially on our rescue, it's not uncommon for me to run 15, 20 calls you know, in a 24-hour period. So a lot of times that's being up all day, not getting sleep all night. So you're up for 24 hours straight. So everybody's like, yeah, you get two days off though. Well, my first day off, I'm pretty much shot trying to nap and right. get ready to do it again. But, I mean, we see some good things. You know, you get your shootings, your stabbings. Those are very common in our neighborhoods. Um, but like I said, most of it 
is glorified on TV. It's going to be your, right. you're coming around to someone who has toe pain. I've gotten people who have toothaches and I tell them, you know, I'm not a dentist. I can take you down <laughs> to the hospital. And then you try to tell them, look, I'm pretty much an $800 Uber ride for a two mile ride to the hospital. You'd be better off, you know, calling an Uber, having a friend drive you. But these people, you know, a lot of them don't really pay their pay their bills anyway, so it doesn't matter. So that's right. irrelevant to them. Sure. Or they think of you as their primary care physician. They think it's an emergency to them, and I gotta act like it's an emergency, and I gotta do what they want. So, these. So I'm more. When you first told me what you were doing, I was thrown off by like the schedule, like most people are. We'll get into the stories in a second, but like, like prolonged. What kind of effect does this have on your body? Because I know. You said like the next day after you're messed up, but then the day after that, like you pretty much lose a day after every day you work. Essentially, if you work a forty-eight hour shift, like in terms of like your eating habits and your sleep schedule, all that stuff, like how does that really be affected by your job? You got to be flexible. It took a big adjustment for me. I mean, you you've known me, you know, doing my competitions for bodybuilding and stuff like that. I've always, hey, I got to work out at this time every day. I always have like. My preference is I eat three times before I work out, you know, I have some food in me, but then you got to be flexible because there's a lot of times, you know, I don't get to eat, you know, I'll be out on calls and we're not making it back to the station. So you're just going from one call to the other. I might have breakfast and then I might have my next meal, you know, six, seven o'clock at night. And then in between, I'm just kind of snacking and just trying to stay, keep my blood sugar up so I'm not passing out and falling asleep and stuff. So, I mean, it's a big adjustment. You got to be flexible. At first, it really bothered me because I'm, I'm so used to my regimen and, you know, hey, I'm eating at this time. This is right. what I'm eating. But, you know, it's not like I can say, hey, I'm not going to this call. I got to get this food in. <laughs> I got a donut, bro. I'm sorry. I got to forget that baby. <laughs> yeah, I got I to gotta hurry up and get this food now. A lot of the times what I've learned is I'll bring stuff with me and I'm just I'm taking a few bites here and there on the way to calls, trying not to crash when I'm driving and all that. A lot of smoothies because you can do that on the go. Right. A lot of the hospitals have snacks when you drop patients off, you know, like cookies and stuff like that. So it's not the best, but it's something. I, and as far as like being up all night, that throws you off. You got to get used to it. At first, I would come home. We get off at 7.30 in the morning. I'd get home 8.30, 9 o'clock, have breakfast, and then I'd pass out till like 4 or 5 o'clock. And then my whole day's pretty much gone. Now I have it adjusted to where... If I come home, if I nap for a couple hours, I'm usually good to function. You know, I'm still kind of groggy and stuff like that, but I'm able to still enjoy my day off and kind of just hang out so I'm not just napping all day. Listen, man, I'm still amazed by the schedule, but I'm also amazed that you got a girl during this whole thing. So how does does the relationship get balanced while you're out here trying to save lives and, like, like, do you download some shit that happened at work and then come home to your girl and then you messed up or euphoric or you just tired like how does that relationship work with the job my situation is a little different because my girl actually understands i actually met her um at work uh she she was one of she was a student so she's trying to get into the field so she understands but then at times she's not directly in the field yet you know it, it does cause some strain when you're up all night i mean i'm sure when you guys if you have a a nine to five and you have a stressful day you come home and your significant other wants to talk about your day and you're not having any of that you just want to eat watch some tv be left alone because you've been dealing with people all day 
and it causes a strain on your relationship because your significant other thinks you're 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 being mean to them that you're taking it out on them when all actuality it's just you had a busy day and you just kind of want some downtime so do that when instead of an eight hour work day do that for 24 hours and you're surrounded by seven other guys because you're pretty much living with seven other people for 24 hours so it is hard to get that downtime there's always someone around always someone you know wanting to hang talk to and you know you don't even watch tv by yourself it's all the guys so you can't even pick what you want <laughs> usually like the most senior guys picking what to want watch some hgtv house modeling stuff when the game's on you tiny watch houses that. yeah <laughs> it's a good show so i mean it's definitely strenuous on the relationship i know with my girl there's definitely times i come home from work after being up all night She's asking me, hey, how's your day? And I immediately snap because <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Bitch, baby, got him. So that, that's definitely hard. I know I'm doing it. It's probably not the best. Um, but she's understanding, so it works. Uh, she, she just tells me, like, I, I know whatever you're saying right now, you don't mean. You're just grumpy. You need to take a nap. Uh, I'll ask you about it. Because she's really interested in the calls. So she's trying to get in the field. She's trying to ask me, hey, what did you have? And I, my usual reply is uh, a bunch of bullshit, just as a short answer. Every once in a while, you get some good calls and good stories and good experience. So it's definitely something I'm learning. I'm getting better at it now that you know I'm trying to find that balance between, hey, even though I was up all night, it's not an exact excuse to come home and just be a dick to everybody around me. <laughs> Can't come home snapping. You ain't watch dishes again? Babe, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I was at work too. So this is... This is something I've never experienced. I think most people haven't experienced this before. Like the first time you were at work and you like witnessed a death or someone like gets died in your arms, that kind of thing. Like how did how did I mean you had to still do your job, right? So it's like how did you process that and then just like go about life? Because like you said about the TV thing about being a firefighter, it's all glamorized and they're jumping off the fire truck with their shirts off, spraying hoses at girls <laughs> and stuff. They're like wearing wet t-shirts, whatever. But when you saw someone die for the first time and you had to like just compartmentalize it and go to your next task, like what was that first time like? It's definitely an experience. I mean, the majority of people don't ever witness somebody dying or a death or what it's like to watch somebody take that last breath. Um, being a medic too, it's a lot of the decision making as far as the medical aspects of it are on me. You know, and I haven't been doing... There's some guys who've been doing this 30 years. You know, I've, I've been doing this too. And so ha- having that... Being expected to perform at the same level as them is definitely challenging. But seeing those deaths for the first time, you kind of... Everybody deals with it differently. And there's a lot of people that don't deal with it. A lot of these guys, after, you know, 20, 30 years on the job, they're committing suicide. And that's actually a big problem with first responders and police officers. You know, your body... You're getting post-traumatic stress from it. You know, you might not think anything of it at the time, but, you know, seeing over those 30 years, say you had 50, 50 kids die, you know, on your watch, and they just start to build up, and then all these guys, they can't take it anymore, and they're actually committing suicide. So that's a lot of the big studies and everything with uh, firefighters right now are how to prevent suicide and uh, cancer because we're more prone to cancer because of our gear, all the toxins we're around, we do have, you know, mass where we, we have the oxygen going, but there's a lot of other things that we get because of it. But back to your question, you know, with the death, uh, my first one 
was a 19-year-old female. Uh, she went to the local gun range. She rented the gun. They gave her the gun. Uh, she loaded it right in the lobby and took it to the, her temple, and she shot herself in the head. So with something like that, there's no saving. It's what we call in our protocols, there's obvious signs of death. You know, if the stuff that's supposed to be inside your head is now outside, there, there's no like, hey, are they breathing? Do they have right. a pulse? That's an obvious sign of death. So we're not doing too much as far as the medical aspect. We're going in there. We're clearing, making sure they are dead, and then the police handle it from there. But just seeing that for the first time, and I can still picture it now. I, I can see her. I can see what it looks like. I know the scene. You know, and it's it's not like a horror movie where there's, you know, it's bloods everywhere. But it's definitely, you know, a horrific scene. But it's something, everybody deals with it differently. Like, I was fortunate enough to have an experienced crew when I first got on. We talked about it and made sure everybody's good. And a lot of the times, you firefighters, you have an ego. So you don't want to be that guy to say, hey, man, I, I'm not really feeling too good after that. But we have a lot of teams um, that come and talk to you if you need it, a lot of counseling. But the best thing, I think, is your crew and not to hold it in. You know, like me having, you know, Chris here and having some of my good friends, you know, my family to talk about things. And a lot of the times it's just telling them the story like, hey, this is what I saw. So, you know, if I'm off, you know, just know I have a reason. It's, it's not just me doing it because I'm tired. It's, I saw something traumatic. It's going to take me a little bit. But for me, I just try to talk about it with my crew, make sure, you know, my crew's okay. And now that I got a little bit of experience, we got newer guys, I make sure the newer guys are okay. And for me, I just try not to bring that home. I look at it from the standpoint of when I got on scene, you know, they're the patient, whether they died, uh, you know, while I was there, they died before, I'm giving them the best chance of survival. If their heart stops, I get on scene and I'm pushing the drugs to, you know, restart their heart, you know, shocking them, you know, and they see on the TV shows, the clear, we don't do all that, but we do deliver the shocks, you know, to try to restart the heart. Doing all that, you know, I gave them the best chance, whether if, and as long as I know that, hey, I showed up, I did the best I could, you know, sometimes you're just not going to save everybody. And that's kind of how I go about it, where to forget about things like that, where you can't bring it on to the next one. You, you know, right. you might get a, a call for, I've had, you know, a six-month-old death, and you do everything you can. Obviously, you're going to work a little bit harder on, on a kid or a baby than you would, you know, somebody who's terminally ill, who's 110. You know, you're going to put that little extra effort in. You know, I've been on those calls and you lose the baby, it's sad, but you got to turn around and you, you get the next call and you got to, you know, not let that affect you so you're, it's affecting your care on the next patient. That's some, that's some G shit. So, obviously, people listening now are probably a little sad. So, <laughs> we got to change. It's like, oh, so we got to change gears a little bit. Tell me about the most um, heroic or I guess the best moment you've had out there. And I guess they can probably be one of the same or, you know, go. Uh, I mean, as a firefighter, you know, we get the fires. Those are all fun. Um, generally, with the way construction is nowadays, houses aren't burning like they used to. But, I mean, a good fire is always fun. You know, you do feel like the hero that you see on TV when you pull up and you see flames shooting all over the place. And, I mean, essentially, you just kind of put water on it. But it's, <laughs> it's still fun. 
Um, you just put, just put a little water. That's a, it's such a marginalized. You just put a little water in the fire. That's all. It's like never mind all the other shit that's happening with pieces falling and you know the smoke and all. You just put water on it. The the best thing for me is it really is the camaraderie among your crew. That's the fun, you know, the fun aspect of it. Like my crew. We're one of the busiest, and a lot of people don't like being that busy because they all say, you know, it all pays the same. Why would, why would I run 20 calls a shift when I can get paid the same amount of money to run one call a shift? I, your crew really makes or breaks it. You know, I had a good crew. We stay up, you know, having fun. We have an Xbox, you know, you're playing games. That I, I honestly think that's the best part because if you think about it, like, I got seven other guys with me. We have a ping pong table at the station. You know, we have a basketball hoop. So when you're not out there running calls, you're out there having fun. It's like hanging out with your boys for 24 hours. You know, what are we doing? You're cooked dinner together. You know, you have stupid challenges like who can eat the most ice cream. Little things like that. I mean, that's what make it worth it. What kind of challenge is that? <laughs> I back and get fatter than you. I bet you can't. <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, it's not everybody's Everybody's not calendar shoot ready for the firefighter calendar. We're going to talk about that in a second, too. I know you, I know you yeah. Those are those are the most fun memories that stand out. I mean, the calls that you do well, where you you know somebody's grandma, their heart stopped and they died, and you brought them back. You know, that's awesome, and those stick with you too. But the main memories are are the ones of you having your fun at the station. I mean, I when I was new, or when I was a rookie, we call them probies for probational. You know, I got pranks pulled on me. Now that I'm a little bit more senior, we get new guys and we're pulling pranks on them. You know. And since we're firefighters, you got creative ways. You put the ladder up, get on the roof of the fire station, and you're throwing flour and spraying water on people, on the new guy. You know, things like that are fun. They're, you know, and especially it's funny when, say, you antique, for those of you who don't know, it's throwing flour on somebody and you pour some water on them and it becomes like a, a putty and it sticks to everything, you know, and then you get a call and then you have to explain to the, your patients why that one guy is covered in, in powder and water and slime all over the place. Little things like that make it worth it and a lot of fun. That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry I got flour. I mean, we're a bunch of children. Yeah, that's so pretty much we it. we saved your daughter, though. <laughs> it's pretty much like a... I was never in a fraternity, but, you know, it's right. like a frat house. You're living with, with a bunch of other guys and even, you know, the females, they're part of it, too. They like to pull pranks on each other. You just got to kind of be careful. The difference with with the female firefighters, you don't want to get sexual harassment charges because the things yeah. we do, you know, in the bunk room, people are showering, you, yeah. you run in on them, and you can't do that with the female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's laws. There's laws for that. Yeah, that's frowned upon. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned the calendar earlier. So some of y'all know this. There's like calendars for like various professions, like the cop cut like calendar and the firefighter calendar. So you've <laughs> You've done such a thing, and I just want to know what was how'd you go about picking your like poses and like your routine to get ready for the counter? Because this is something that people presumably are hanging in their garage somewhere, or <laughs> this is at somebody's office, like the month of August, and it's you wearing a firefighter's outfit. <laughs> so, like, take me through that process. I've never been on a counter before, so I don't know what it's like, but. Well, mainly our our big fundraiser is because a lot a lot of people do the calendars and we've done that in the past. Our main thing is a fundraiser called St. Baldrick's, and we raise money for pediatric cancer. Um, one of our 
our firefighters, uh, he he lost his his son to pediatric cancer, so he kind of heads that for us. And so we do it. It's at the Southern Women's Show every year. It just actually just passed this last month at the Orange County Convention Center. It's a women's show where you go in there. It's a big convention. They have like a bunch of hair and shoe and all, all that female stuff that females like to do. Purse sales, you know, Egyptian leather sandals. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm a man. I don't know what Egyptian leather is. <laughs> but one of the main attractions is the firefighter uh for lack of a better term strip show <laughs> we're coming out with monkey gear pretty much you're throwing you're throwing your dollar bills in, in my bunker pants oh, and one thing i'll tell you is women are worse than men i've seen men in the strip club <laughs> women you guys you guys are ruthless uh, i'm all for playing it up you know you put a dollar bill here put a dollar bill there Man, you women, you're trying to put your hands down in areas <laughs> and grab and try to get a handful of firefighter. I, yeah, I felt I felt uncomfortable after. <laughs> I was raising money for cancer. I was out there trying to do a good thing. I felt violated. I I came home. I took a thirty minute shower. I scrubbed <laughs> four times. I washed my hair six times. I felt grimy, it's but like, it was for a good cause. Hands on me. <laughs> <laughs> He touched me in the, yeah, that's... It's a lot of fun, though. You, you do it with your boys, you know, you're out there just having fun, raising money for cancer, but you get a few pictures, you know, sign, sign a few babies, you know, get some autographs in. But it, it's a good time. Uh, and, it, actually, you don't even have to be in the best shape you think is out there. The guys who get the most applause are, like, those older guys with the Santa beer gut and everything. <laughs> those guys get the most applause and the most money. They want to see Santa strip. That's yeah. weird. It's a weird Christmas image. <laughs> like, Come on, Santa, take off that shirt. <laughs> That's some ridiculous stuff. But it sounds fun. I thought like you should be able to keep the tips if you do a certain amount. Obviously, you're raising like the proceeds, but if you do some, if you doing some poll work or if you like, you know, doing some splits and stuff, I thought like you should be able to keep a little something for yourself. Just because. You going above and beyond. I really do. I feel like I'm out there trying to be like Magic Mike. I, <laughs> I should get like a fifteen percent, but then again, it's going to cancer, so I'd probably feel like an asshole if I was yeah, taking fifteen yeah. percent away from children's, children's cancer. You buy a pair of shoes, and it's like <laughs> this really could have gone towards cancer research. Where are my priorities right now? I get that. That's messed up. All right, so we mentioned we like kind of foreshadowed to you saving the baby, mm-hmm. and. You've saved more than one baby before, but we just talked about this today. So tell, tell the people about your um, iconic movie-type <laughs> moment with the baby being saved and well, all that stuff. Obviously, I, I like to play it up. I mean, I think I, when I walked into the hospital with the baby, you know, it was in slow motion. The wind was getting at me. You know, I was looking, I was looking actually like, it looked like I just got done working out, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> As swollen as possible, the baby's bicep just throbbing. But our, you know, our call yesterday, a car accident, um, it was pretty bad. We had a female driver, you know, she lost control of her vehicle. She hit another car. The the other, uh, the vehicle she hit, unfortunately, that guy lost his life. Um, she And then the, the girl driver who lost control, she had a... Her little sister in the back, who was eight month old, 
And technically, we're supposed to take them to two different hospitals because we took her to an adult hospital and the, the baby should go to the children's side. But, you know, I didn't want to separate them and that's not her legal guardian. So we kept them together. And so to make a long story short, you know, they were both stable as far, you know, the baby had, had a few cuts and bruises, not really crying too much. But since we didn't have a place for both of them, you know, of course... The driver, which was the older sister, came in on the stretcher. And me, of course, I could have let my partner, who, who was a female yesterday, carry the baby. She wanted to. She wanted to be all motherly. But I was like, no, 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 I got this. You push the <laughs> one on the stretcher in, I'm going to carry this adorable eight-month-old baby who keeps pulling on my ears and my hair and making all these goo-goo-ga-ga noises. So I walk up into the hospital. And we all know most nurses are female. And you get this firefighter, and like I said, it looked like I just got done working out, you know. <laughs> it was a car accident. You're pulling them from the wreckage. You know, this baby's got a little dirt on her. There's a little cu- cuts and bruises. But, you know, I made her feel better. I was doing the whole, uh, you know, pat the back. I guess that's what parents do with babies. <laughs> thing. Come in in slow motion. All the nurses are loving it. I'm like, oh, my God, you saved the baby. I was like, I pulled her directly from the car myself. <laughs> that, that's not the truth at all. She was out by the time I got there. But that's the story I'm going to tell. Yeah. It makes me look like a hero. I felt like a hero. It was a little bit different than the normal, hey, my foot hurts, my tooth hurts. Can I come to the hospital? It's like, you saved my baby. <laughs> Please, she actually saved me from myself. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. It's cases like this that keep me going. This will make it worth it. No, it is calls like that that you know it was somebody it could have potentially been a lot worse. That, yeah, yeah, of course. But as long as, you know, I'm confident in my abilities to treat people. That you know, when I get on scene, that I'm gonna try to give them the best chance of survival if it is immediate danger. That's some. That's some. That's some shit, man. So I guess if people are wondering because you said like the. Uh, I'm doubling back now that the more the mortality rate and this and that is really high in this profession. So how long do you like plan on doing this? What's your career trajectory? Because you've advanced a lot in a short period of time, but at a certain point, I guess do you want to just be a captain or do you want to just do this until you're like start getting a family and then you transition somewhere else? Like where are you trying to go with this? Well, in the state of Florida, so all of you voters and politician alike people out there. Governor Rick Scott, recent, uh, a couple years ago, he changed the retirement for firefighters who are in the Florida retirement system to 30 years instead of 25. So I have to at least do 30 years to get my retirement. Ugh. So for me, that's not bad. I'll retire at 55, which isn't bad. But, you know, those guys who start a little bit later, you know, they're out there. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body. You know, 30 years of, if you think about it, it's not 30 years of a desk job sitting at, you know, behind the desk you know, doing paperwork, filing insurance claims, stuff like that, which is nothing wrong with that, you know, you, but that's sustainable for 30 years. I can go into an office nine to five, do that and come home. You know, we're majority of the time you're not putting your life on the line, but that 5% where you are, you're running into that building, you know, you're pulling people out of cars and you have to deal with this Orlando traffic on I-4 with, you know, people trying to swerve around you and people want to see because they see all the lights on in the fire truck, so they want to look what happens. You know, we've actually had a guy get run over while trying to save somebody from a car accident. He he was in pretty bad shape. He was out for almost a year rehabbing. 
But so if you think about little things like that, and then just the everyday things like lifting, you know, the stretcher in and out, carrying tools, like. I'm 27, and all of a sudden, the last two years, you know, uh, my back hurts from the way I lift things. <laughs> and I work out. I try to take care of myself. So it's not just like me being lazy. It's just the wear and tear on your body doing that, you know, over and over. You know, you're lifting patients up. Some of your patients are over 300 pounds, and it's just you and your partner. So you got two people trying to lift up 300 pounds of dead weight. You're, you're going to pull something here, do that. So I try to take good care of myself that way. But the best way, what you said is like, do I want to promote, you know, uh, the, I plan to. Not only is it a higher position, more responsibility, and you become a leader, but you also get that pay raise and stuff like that. So my goal is to promote as high as I can. Um, right now, the next step for me would be engineer, which would be driving the engine. Oh. From that, yeah, that that would be fun. <laughs> That's some dope. That's dope. And then uh, after that, you can go to lieutenant which you're in charge of your crew on the engine in your house with us every fire department's different than from there we have captain you're you're in charge of uh more like the safety and stuff like that and you can go to chief yeah, i mean you can work yourself all the way up you know that chief position is nice but you're not you're not the one going into the buildings and stuff like that you're more so in charge of the scene making sure everybody else is doing their job so that's definitely something, you know, possibly later down the line, especially once I get older, you know, I imagine when I'm 50 years old, I'm not going to be wanting to run in, run into a burning building with these, these young gunners, these 19, 20 year olds, you know, I'd rather be on the outside watching them, making sure they're safe and less wear and tear on my body after all the years. So there's definitely ways to get around of you're not running into the buildings, you're not doing all this forever. But to make it last 30 years, you definitely got to be mindful of, you know, am I taking care of myself? Am I exercising? Am I especially stretching? That's been a big thing with me lately. You know, eating right. But what they say about firehouse food and the stereotype of the chili. Firehouse subs, that. man. That's what they they put that commercial out. Man, fire, don't, don't eat at firehouse subs. <laughs> they rip us off. For firefighters, you think for firefighters... You, you know, you, you get a little something, something. They give you a free bag of chips. Ugh. For cops, they get 50% off, which I don't understand. So cops get 50% off at firehouse subs. And as far as actual real-life firefighters get a bag of chips. Mm. <laughs> that's, Yo, like, that's like a dollar. <laughs> you, might, you might as well go to Subway and have them peel off that meat <laughs> one at a time and then give you three handfuls of spinach. Ew. It's, it's definitely, I mean, I, I say it's the best job, man. I mean, technically, since I work 24 hours, just I work 10 days a month. But then again, at my station, you know, I'm spending that first day recovering. But right. I wouldn't change it, man. It's definitely a good job. You got good crew, good people. I mean, there's been days where I cancel vacation because I'm like, dang, I'm going to miss out on something at the station. Something funny's going to happen. Some inside joke. I'm going to get back from vacation. I'm not going to know what's going on. I'm going to be left out. <laughs> it's kind of like when you have a group of friends and... You got plans with your girl when your boys still go out and you miss some great night and they're all talking about it for, you know, months and you have no idea and you kind of just sit there quietly and like, ah, yeah. I yeah, well, I wish I would have been there. We watched Stranger Things instead. <laughs> <laughs> we caught my Stranger Things. What'd you guys do? Crazy night. It's like, damn it. <laughs> Love you, boo. Man, I'm happy um, we got a chance to do this. We were just messing around. I'm on vacation and we should have done this probably a few days ago, but whatever. Um, 
but I wanted to get you on a podcast, but I didn't want it to be like the traditional, let's talk through a problem podcast. I and mean, we've talked about it. I was like, man, you do something that most people don't do or don't have a lot of knowledge about. So I think you're giving us some insight into what you do and the mentality of it. And maybe some people out there were kind of in between careers and were like, oh, that sounds like something that may be something I can do at some point. But um, I'm happy we got a chance to do this because now I get to put you on a podcast and you know, we can kind of ride this thing out and see where it goes. You have anything you want to leave the people with before we close this out? I mean, I know I said it that majority of the time is not an emergency, but if you still want to keep that stereotype that I'm in there saving babies, <laughs> rescuing cats, cats, and how many how many cats have you saved? Two, but I mean, that's a real okay. That's more. That's two more than I thought you would. And they weren't even out of trees. They were out of storm drains. <laughs> so you look like even more of a hero when you pull a bunch of kittens out of a storm drain in front of a bunch of people. But if you want to keep that stereotype that that's what I'm doing every day is running into buildings, shirt burning off, and I'm still okay, that's fine by me. <laughs> keep, hey, keep the stereotypes safe. Some stereotypes are actually good. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> <laughs> they're not always bad, people. Sometimes they're good. So thank y'all for tuning in to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. This will be on iTunes if you're listening to it. Uh, tell your friends about it. Subscribe. You know, Like. Whatever you got to do with it. Share it. Thank y'all for listening. We'll be back next week with a more traditional podcast, probably. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Mark, thank you for coming through and blessing the people with your stories and your time. Y'all have a good day. Deuces.